from ABC News Radio, KMET 1490 in Southern California. This is Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio with your host, Tyler Jorgensen. Welcome out to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. I am your host, Tyler Jorgensen, and today I get to have a guest back from the show who was back on, man, I think it was 2011. Welcome back to the show, Stuart Draper. Thanks, Tyler. It's good to be with you, bud. So what's fun is uh, whenever I have a guest that was on the show before, sometimes it's to talk about how their business has grown. And sometimes it's talk about what's changed and uh, a a totally different path. And I think you fall into that latter camp. So why don't we first start way back in 2011? What were you doing then? Kind of like what was your entrepreneurial journey? And then what are you doing now? So, oh wait, I got laid off. I was out of a job and rather than find another boss, I found other clients that would let me do their Google ads. And that was actually the dentist category. I was helping dentists with their Google ads. In 2011, I'd grown that startup, getfoundfirst.com, would become a Google certified partner company. And uh, I was, at the same time I interviewed with you, Tyler, I believe was when I was teaching as an adjunct faculty member at BYU-Idaho. And uh, Yeah, so I realized that when I was teaching that there was an opportunity to uh, help others learn digital marketing, and I enjoyed teaching and decided to get more into that space, and so that's kind of what... Yeah, so you ended up launching an entire business around that. Now, uh, so StuKent.com is what you started. What problem in the marketplace does StuKent solve? So in 2012 and 2013, we did some market research. We found that 40 out of 100 business schools still weren't teaching digital marketing at the time. I mean, Texas, Tennessee, Marquette, Indiana, Oregon, all these reputable schools weren't even teaching the subject to their business students. These students were graduating a decade after Google has started making money with ads and they still, and the schools still aren't helping them understand how Google makes their money and how businesses are using Google to make money. And so um, I decided I would go and create a curriculum that, professors could use to teach digital marketing. And uh, I think the the greatest problem that we're solving today is providing continuously updated content that instructors can use so that their material is always current. And we do that for more than just specifically digital marketing now. Oh, interesting. So I want to go into that because I didn't know you guys were doing uh, different segments now of the... uh of the education space, but it makes a ton of sense the first problem that you solved, right? Education systems by nature don't move very quickly. And so they don't adapt. I mean, you might get an updated textbook that has a couple of changes, but most people know that that's just so that the teacher can make more money the next year selling textbooks. And, uh, and so, but generally speaking, higher education moves really slow. So they don't adapt, but the internet and digital marketing world moves insanely fast. So um, you guys basically created a curriculum that they can now plug and play and not have to worry about being outdated instantly, right? That's right, yeah. So professors get a really bad rap, right, for for not doing a very good job of uh, giving students relevant information and things like that. But honestly, I feel like a lot of that fault lies in the hands of the publishers. Uh, These publishers, Pearson, McGraw-Hill, are multi-billion dollar businesses, and yet, uh, when it, and they provide digital content now, but they don't provide a way for their authors. They're more than a half million authors or more than, I mean, it might even be into the millions of authors that they work with. They don't provide a way for those authors to actually update that content. So even if an author wants to update 
their book twice a year, they don't let them because it doesn't fit their editing calendar. And so that's, we're, we're at it. We're looking at it from the perspective of, Hey, you know what? These are, we're publishing our own books here. And so we can update them when we want, how we want. And they're not just books. It's a lot more than just that. There's a lot of hands-on learning experience through simulation, video content as well. So, and one of the challenges anytime you're in a business course, right, is that balance between a, a professor who has a ton of experience in as a professor, so they know how to teach really well, and the balance of a professor who may actually have real world experience in what they're teaching. And I think in some, in some, biz, in some curriculum, it's okay either direction. But I think in business, relevancy matters really a lot, right? So what, um, how are you helping like the professors to stay more relevant? Great question. So we, we put on trainings for the instructors through webinars uh, where the actual author comes in and says, I've updated the book. Here are the updates. Here are some tips and tricks for how I've been using this material to teach my class. And uh, we're also giving them lecture slides, lesson plans, very, very detailed, down to the minute, the type of stuff they should be talking about. You see, a lot of our instruct, a lot of our best professors, when they were in school, they were literally typing with a, with a typewriter. Right? Right. And the internet was far from existence. Um, and so they're deathly afraid to stand up in front of digital natives and try and teach that, these tough subjects. And so yeah. we're, we're coming in and saying, look, we're, let us help you become the expert again. So many education technology companies are disrupting by destroying the traditional uh, education system. They're saying, forget right. a four year degree, you don't need it, just come to our website, right? Right. And, uh, we believe at Stukent that we can help educators, that traditional education isn't gonna die, mainly because uh, University of Oregon Duck football and USC football, they're not going away, right? So. I, I, I have a hard time believing that traditional universities are going to entirely die. We would rather go in and help those guys do a better job of keeping up to date. We think we can. We think we're doing a pretty good job already. So they, but current uh, education model has a higher likelihood of dying if they don't adapt from within. And that's what you're going to help them do, right? That's exactly right. Yes. As it, is, they're dying. Yes. And it's because the bottom line is, right, we always joke, um, and even when I was going through USC, through my MBA program, which was really expensive, I was like, look, every case study, all of the information, everything we're studying here, I can get online for free or cheap, right? I can buy the same Harvard Business Review thing that we're studying here. I can buy the same case study. I can do my analysis. I can get a group of people to sit down and talk with, probably, you know, just in a forum or in a group and, and to brainstorm the same way we do in study groups. But the difference is that kind of... Um, mentorship that you get as well as the the university uh affiliation but i think if they don't continue to evolve and if you know you have a professor who the last time they worked in the in the business world was in you know 1976 if they're not becoming an expert again in today's business world they're going to get burned and and it, people are not going to want to sign up for those classes that's right so what uh so Stu can't you guys create curriculum and it's ever changing. How do you, right, who used to be running a digital marketing agency, how do you stay up to date with what's changing, even though you're no longer in that side of the business? Yeah, I sold Get Found First in 2015. I'm still close friends and stay in touch with uh, getfoundfirst.com, but also I stay in touch with other industry folks. 
I still subscribe and follow the industry. So I co-authored the te our first textbook and flagship product called Digital Marketing Essentials. And uh, we keep that up to date twice a year. And, and one of the things that we do is a monthly blog called News You Can Use. It's at stukent.com. You can go subscribe to it if you'd like. And we aggregate the most important industry news and changes that are happening every month. And then we go back to our authors and we say, okay, authors, here's the things that have changed in the last 30 days. Review this and make sure that you're going and updating in your own texts on these specific subjects. Very cool. So you're, you're doing a, uh, a flexible model, right? Where you're, you're publishing twice a year major changes, but then on a monthly basis providing like almost addendums and updates for them to blend into their current curriculum. So things are always updated as opposed to once every two years in an updated textbook. Right. And unlike a traditional publisher that only wants to provide the book and then be hands off, we have a relationship with our students where they get emails from us and uh, they can reach out to us directly. And so uh, they're, they should be, should and can be following this information as well. Oh, very cool. So let's talk a little bit about Stu Kent, how you, how you started it and how like your business model, right? So again, you, you had this idea that because you were working in the university, right? What was the next step? Uh, proving there was a market. So I, I went to the, to my uh, mentor, Corey Smith, and I said, Corey, I've got this brilliant idea. I'm going to write this book and I'll keep it up to date twice a year. The other publishers won't let me do that. And I'll go find a hundred schools with a hundred students paying me a hundred dollars each hundred times, a hundred times, a hundred. It's a million dollars a semester to at least a $2 million business. And he was like, well, yeah, but is there really a market? Like, are you sure that there's other schools that need this like you think they do? And uh, so we went and did market research and put together a really solid business plan. And in this process, uh, we actually had like 16 schools say, if you build exactly what you're describing, we're going to use it like pre-sales. Right. And that was a great uh, accomplishment and, and a good motivator to actually jump ship and go full time on Stukent. Um, and then I think the other really big thing that we accomplished was finding a first customer that would use it before we took funding. Right. Uh, we realized we were going to need funding, and we, but we had that first customer already willing to use it. That first customer used it, had a success with it. He said they decided they would use it again. It was nice they were a top 20 business school because that made getting yeah. customers was easier, right? Right. But I, I, I guess in answer, does that answer your question? Can I get, yeah, no, it gets us there. So, but it, you, you got the momentum going, obviously finding one real, like kind of dream customer first, and then actually getting them to commit to use it a second time that shows that it's a good product. Um, is your, do you charge the school or do you charge the students? Yeah. So the model is that we, we charge the students in the U S and schools in other countries. Uh, we've now entered the high school market and the schools or the school district pay in that case. In the, in the US university system, uh, there's over 4,500 degree granting institutions. And in almost all of those cases, the students pay. Unless right. it's like an executive MBA program, right. uh, the students pay. So the professor says, yes, we, we wanna use it, that's, this was when we realized we needed funding, right? Right. The professor says, yes, we want to use your material. And then 
they say, and 14 months from now, I'll send my students to purchase it. <laughs> right? So you have this big cycle, sales cycle, where you may close the deal and, and, and get them to commit to use you in a day. Um, but then it may take another 14 months for the students to actually come and pay. So students come to our website to make the purchase. We now have a model where you can come directly to our website and purchase access to our self-learner program. Uh, we've teamed up with some really great content for that. Uh, you can look for that on the site if you're interested. Very cool. So why, you know, taking on funding is a really big decision, right? For different, uh, for anybody, for any business owner, it, it changes the, the course of your ship a little bit and, and how much, you know, control you can have. Was that a concern of yours at all? Or were you just like, no, I know we're going to, I knew that this is going to be a part of the business. So we're just going to go for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I knew, I knew very early with the business plan that it, it required funding because of the sales cycle that there was no way to bootstrap because I, uh, so when you're playing against multi-billion dollar competitors, they have big budget and they can travel and they can sit, have sales teams and sponsor and do all sorts of things that you can't do. And so uh, I, I knew I needed to hire a kickbot sales guy on day one that could go and travel the world and and help push product. And so we did that and that was, you had to pay him salary for and travel expenses for a year and a half, right? For, right. So it wasn't like you went and just got massive funding, built a huge corporate, you know, like headquarters, started driving your Bugatti around. It was really, you had, you needed funding to manage a core team so you could get past proof of concept. Yeah, we raised uh, 250 in the first round of funding. And uh, I felt like that was way That's more. That's only 250, 100,000, not 250 million, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear, we're talking about funding here. Let's just be, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so in the U.S., in Silicon Valley, $250 million is a thing now. That, that happens in, in the startup world. Go ask Josh James, right? But for us at Stukent, it was just $250K, and we thought that would be more than we ever needed. And we realized that we, we, we hit a lot of milestones and did really well, and it was like, okay, it's time for another three hundred and fifty because we have to bridge this gap and keep putting the gas on the pedal Right. And we went from 100 schools to 300 schools uh, to 500 schools. And now we have over 1,000 higher ed institutions in over 40 countries. But it wouldn't have happened without being able to put that gas on the pedal. Uh, bootstrapping just frankly wasn't an option for our type of model. No, that makes a ton of sense. And I think it's important for you know, listeners, right? If, you're, if the business you're doing has a long sales cycle, you've got to have a plan to weather that storm and not lose momentum during the process. Yeah. Um, because it's a positive storm that you're in, right? You're in the storm of people being interested in your product, but not ready to pay you yet. Um, and so without a plan, right, then a lot of good ideas just fall apart because people don't have a, a path. Yeah. And you have to be able to show investors that positivity in the storm. Right. So for us, it was, okay, here's our database. You can look in our software and see all of these user accounts of professors we've created. And they're not from just slouch schools. Like, yes, we have no diss on Fox Valley Technical College, but we have plenty of those types of Saginaw Valley State University you've never heard of, but Harvard and Stanford and UCLA are in the mix too. And for a professor to see that across, or for an investor to see that across the gamut, we have all these interested folks. Uh, that was 
enough for them to say, yeah, I'm ready to take another bet and go deeper in. So, so what was the biggest unexpected obstacle you had to hit and overcome that first year? Um, the biggest obstacle was having to let go a sales guy that I really liked and that I had talked into taking a bet on Stukit. And I hope he'll listen in on this because I, I, I would share this with him. I, he and I have a good relationship still. I felt so terrible because I had recruited him. I thought, I've got to find someone that's proven. He's been there. He's done that. And then I had another sales guy come in and month after month for four months just crushed his numbers made him look really bad right and you know here we are burning through investor money and i just could no longer justify his cost and uh he'd seen the writing on the wall and actually was ready to come and, and uh, tell me he was going to move on to something else and so i'd given him opportunities to improve and they weren't there but for me honestly that was probably the hardest thing that first year so it's still just dealing with people, right? Like it's amazing how often the challenges are the human experience in, in the mix. Yeah. Um, so many times like we can overcome finding financing or finding, you know, uh, what the next right tech piece that we need to fix is. But the human experience is the variable that's always has an unknown. No um, how have you, uh, how have you learned from that and like apply that to continue to grow? How big is your team now? There's just over 50 of us now. It's a big and, team. Uh, 50, 50 plus, yeah, yeah, like 52 or something. Uh, we're, the way, I, the way I look at it now is different. Um, I think, well, first thing I do with every team member on day one on the job is I pull them into my office and we have an Under Armour discussion and we have a, uh, a burn the handbook uh, ritual. So the, the Under Armour discussion is, we believe that what Under Armour is to Nike, Stukent is to Pearson, and that um, we we truly have the same type of opportunity to disrupt like Under Armour has. Uh, and then on the and I could go into more details about that some other time. It'd be fun. The, yeah, I'm the, confused. Like, because isn't Under Armour owned by Nike? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it, it, when you look at it, they're still small beans in comparison. Only five billion compared to Nike's what, like twenty nine billion. I see. Okay, that makes sense. I get it. Yeah, and it's funny because sometimes you do have that, like the two camps, even though they're owned by the same parent company, there's still like lessons to learn between the two different types of operations. So, yeah. Cool. Um, and what's the other, the burning the handbook? So, as it relates to burning the handbook, um, we literally give them a print handbook quickly review it for some main key expectations and then i tell them i trust them and then i understand there's gonna be times when what's in the handbook isn't relevant to reality of the situation they're currently dealing with and they need to go against whatever was in the handbook to do what's best for our customer and for themselves and for the company and that i wouldn't have hired them if i didn't trust them and so we're burning the handbook and I'm not about to count whether you took 12 days or eight days of vacation or 20. What I'm going to count is your productivity and your contribution to the team. And if I feel like you take advantage of that, then you're not going to be able to stick around. But as long as you're not taking advantage and uh, doing your best and helping us keep hitting our goals, we've been doubling four years in a row. We expect to keep doing that. And so uh, people come into it with that mentality that we can go be what Under Armour is to Nike and they're excited. So. Cool. What, uh, so 
how has your own paradigm shifted as you've gotten into this, right? Like you originally had this idea of a hundred schools um, and now you guys are over 400. How has your own like idea of what's possible shifting and what do you think your next big aha moment's going to be? Good question. So I think the main thing is you start to realize um, your potential and your, what your potential would can become changes, right? So uh, I remember when I set a goal to be a millionaire and I thought, if I can get to be a millionaire, like that's huge, right? And now I look at it and I go, uh, you know, we wanted Stuket to go and help a thousand universities and now we feel like we can go and help millions of students. So at the end of the, before the end of this year, we will have supported over a hundred thousand students. And so now to say, yeah, we're gonna go help a million students uh, that is within reach. It's totally doable. We're going to go and do it. And so I think your perspective changes in that regard. Uh, I think also what uh, expenses, <laughs> what you look at as a big expense changes. And I wish I had learned younger not to worry as much about the expense and instead only look at what the potential return is on the expense. Um, so Tyler... Yeah. I, I'm going to put Tyler on the spot as the host here. Oh, I like it. I learned something from Tyler. When I was young and, and just fairly new with Get Found First, Tyler um, signed up for some services and was trying to pay me. And he called me and he said, dude, I just want to pay you. And you don't have an easy way for me to pay you. And I said, yeah, we don't have payment processing set up, dude. Just send me a check. I don't want to pay the 3%. He's like, dude, you've got to have an easy way for people to pay. And at the time, I looked at it as, well, I'm a startup and I'm a bootstrapper and I got to find ways to save. And this is an easy way to save. But yeah, that's 3% I get to keep. And I was like, dude, just build it into your price, charge more and move forward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That's so funny. I learned I'm glad you remember that. You learn a lot of those. I wish I'd learned younger just that expense lesson that you have to look at expenses yeah, it's, you know, it's been something for me that's been what's become a very telltale sign of if the person and I are going to resonate on similar frequencies, whether as a partner or a, uh, you know, a business relationship of any kind, if the mindset of being able to cut yourself into prop into prosperity, right? Like, look, expenses should be managed, right? You shouldn't just go spend whatever you want. But when things get tight, like you can either try to fix the the main focus should be fixing the the top, right? Like fixing revenue, not saying, okay, let's ignore revenue and go fix costs, right? That's just, you're just slowing down how fast the ship's going to sink, but uh, you're not doing anything to actually fix the ship. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting. I think you, you start to look at costs differently, right? For you, you use the term ROI, right? Like a salesperson is in a cost. It's an investment in that should hopefully pay out dividends. If they don't, they're not a good sales guy, right? And you have to deal with that. Um, one thing I thought was really interesting, what you said that I, I don't know if it was intentional, but I think it's significant is that you said you went from having a goal of helping a hundred or a thousand schools. And then you, the next thing was that you said you have a goal of helping a million students. Is that, was that a, uh, intentional shift where your, your goal was to help this was to help schools, but now is to really focus on the student through the school. Is that, it was that intentional or just a, uh, some semantics I'm picking up. Great, great question. So no, I think, I think it's definitely a shift uh, for us. So there's a limited number of schools and almost an unlimited number of students. And so um, 
there's only so many students in this world that care to become a digital marketing expert and we want to help students. So our mission at Stukent has always been to help educators, help students, help the world. We know that if you help educators, they've got a lot of students that they can bring to you to, and that you can help them and those people can go make a big difference in the world. And so we also re realize that the material we provide has that kind of global impact. And so um, for us, yeah, we, we think in those bigger terms of the, the millions of students now that we can cool. and, and help. That's awesome. What, um, I don't know if you remember, and I actually should have pulled it up, so now I'm mad at myself for not doing it, but uh, I always ask the, what's one major item on your personal bucket list that you're going to achieve in the next 12 months, and uh, think about it and answer it, and I'm going to see if I can actually find your last answer quickly. Oh, that'd be really cool if you could find that. It'd be interesting to hear. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to like climb around, but I, I will be able to find it. So go for it. What, what are you going to do the next year? So our goal for the, as a company. No, you personal business is about creating a life, right? Like you're, look, your, your company's awesome. You're going to do huge things, but none of that matters in my opinion. If you know, if Stu starts living a boring life. <laughs> so the goal is horses in the next year. Uh, okay. I, we're building a house on four acres and, uh, goal is to have four horses on four acres here shortly. So that's pretty uh, cool. Yeah. Where's home? Where's, uh, where's Stu Kent based? Idaho Falls, Idaho. So we're up near Yellowstone National Park. One of the number one, uh, you know, employment hubs of the nation, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> All 100,000 of us. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's awesome, man. I, I would have to dig around. I do have it. So I'll, we'll have to follow up offline, but, um, I'm curious now if you've hit your, if you, what happened that last time, but dude, I'm stoked for you. It's been fun, you know, following your journey over the past few years. And I guess even longer than that, right. Watching you get into business and everything. Um, what is, uh, kind of to bring it back to the business side of it. What's one piece of advice that you give to someone who's just getting started in entrepreneurship? One piece. You have that like, go to like, this is what you need to do. Or is it sign up at stukent.com and start taking our courses? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Definitely not that. It's not the silver bullet for business. But I would, I would say that it's think bigger. Like um, I just wish so much younger that I had realized the power of positive thinking and, and believing in bigger goals. I think it's just as easy to raise um, – a hundred thousand in, in fundraising as it is to raise a million in funding. So if you've got an idea that's big enough to justify a million, then go raise a million. Don't raise a hundred thousand. Uh, but that's just one example. Fundraising. It's not like a everyone shark tank makes it look like a super sexy thing to raise a million dollars. And there are some great things about raising funding. Uh, but whatever it is you're working on 10 X, what your belief is and you can go and achieve a lot more than you originally think you're you're cut out to do. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for coming out. Appreciate all you out there in uh, internet world or radio, wherever you're tuning into Biz Ninja. Uh, check out biznincha.com slash Tesla for my new podcast. And it's your turn. Go out and do something. Thank you for listening to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio with Tyler Jorgensen. Please make sure to subscribe so you're first to hear new interviews and episodes. If you found this podcast to be valuable, please share it with a friend. Don't forget to visit our online dojo at bizninja.com to claim your reward for listening to the show.